It looks like the clock is about to strike midnight on this Cinderella story. It's uh, refreshing, yet uh, displeasing to the eye. Somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. In the dying seconds! Unbelievable! They wouldn't say die! That just shows that they didn't come to play. They really come to play here at the MCG tonight. Hey. Welcome to another edition of They Came to Play. Uh, hello, Tess Armstrong. Hello, Lemo. <laughs> hello, Danny McGinley. G'day, Lemo. What a huge week in sport. <laughs> it has been massive, hasn't it? We're going to kick off with Cornhole. That's yes. right, you heard me. Fine. Cornhole. And an Australian superstar of uh, the sport of Cornhole uh, is joining us right now. And uh, surname pronunciation pending, James Saray. Uh, welcome to um, Chez Saray. <laughs> Chez no. Saray. Anyway. Yeah, we'll close get- it up. Yeah, there we go. Thanks, James. Hello, and welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Hey, uh, tell me this, James. How, do, how does an Aussie, an Aussie dude who barracks for Collingwood, living in Melbourne, uh, end up at the uh, World Cup of Cornhole? Um, it's a good question. And to be honest, I'm still not entirely sure. Um, for, for me, it was basically I, I started working for a company called Multiplex. Uh, November 2018 and they sort of like run a internal competition at the at the company so we all sort of you know play a big cornhole tournament against each other uh and the sort of top I think it was six from Victoria qualified for the for the world champs so they sent us over to America and (laughs) sort of played through there. James can you tell us about the championship because it seems like it's really fun when everybody gets to gets to get together. But what what did, what were your takeaways from the other cornhole champions? Like, is it is it a big deal in the states? And was that a surprise? Um, yeah, it it was like a little bit bigger than I thought it was going to be. There were, there were people that we met sort of you know bef- beforehand. We kind of uh, did a little trip around America, so I went through Vegas and New York and stuff, and. When people asked us why we were there and we're like, oh, you know, we're here to play at the World Cornhole Championship. So there were like a lot more people than I expected that actually knew what it was. Mm. So it was like, yeah, it was a, a little bit bigger than it than it sort of, I guess, than it is here. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> that, that wouldn't be hard, James. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, James, I, well, the reason we're talking about cornhole is, of course, with the uh, the lack of uh, live sport going on around the world, uh, Limo and myself have been watching a lot of uh, ESPN Ocho on KO Sports, and cornhole is uh, is is one of the main sports that's up there. Can can you just explain in a nutshell for probably the majority of the listeners who are who are tuning in right now, what the hell is cornhole? Um, it's a I, like the the way I've explained it to family and stuff, because obviously like we got the Italian background, so I sort of call it like bocce for rednecks almost. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you get four bags, and and your opponent gets four bags, and you sort of you know throw them one at a time, and you're basically just trying to outscore each other by either like landing them on the board for one point, or like getting it in a hole sort of on the board for uh, three. And just in case there's any confusion out there, what's in the bag? 
not corn. I learned. Uh, <gasps> what? Yeah. Yeah, we um, while we were over there, obviously, all the people that we were playing with and against and stuff taught us the extended history of the game. But at this point, they're just like little, I don't know, plastic pallets. Um, yeah, it used to be, it used to be corn. So that like I guess at the like the very start of the game, they just you know threw little sacks of corn. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and it's evolved um, from and, there. And it's gone from there. And where is yeah. that at the moment? Because I noticed on the Facebook page of the Cornhole, you know, organisation, the American Cornhole organisation, that they intend to have a big get-together in 100 days from now. Do you see that happening? Like where's the sport at? Um, uh, yeah, to be honest, I'm not really sure. I definitely wouldn't really expect any Aussies to be over there if they have a, a big get-together. Um, then it's not worth it, am I right? Without us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you make a very good point, Tess. What's, what's Cornhole without the Australian contingent? Now, James, one of the things I love about the sport is that you can play it wearing thongs and drinking beer. Uh, is this true of the, uh, the big tournaments? Uh, definitely true for the thongs. The the beer is sort of uh, like a little bit of a pregame ritual, I guess, for, for most people. But, um, you know, those thermoses that they carry, like, while they're playing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I saw a few of those. The Canadians had few, had those, definitely. Yeah, they were uh, full of moonshine. Like, oh. I had a little... <laughs> like a, that, is there drug testing in Cornhole? Uh, I wouldn't I Yeah, wouldn't you're not allowed to be so. sober. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, James, I, I've watched that uh, that your your World Cup match that is on uh, KO Sports, and I advise all all Australians to get around you. Uh, it, it it's one of the best games of cornhole I've ever seen. It went right down to the wire. Unfortunately, the Canadians uh, knocked us off, but it was the semi final. You would have gone on to the World Cup final against the Americans. Now, the Americans that ended up winning the whole thing, I'm sorry to spoil it for everyone, but it's, it's the journey, not the result when you watch Cornhole. Uh, the two guys that won it, there's a there's a guy with curly hair and glasses who seems really intense. Was he a bit scary to hang out with? Uh, not really. I mean, everybody called him Napoleon Dynamite, so it was like... You can't really get intimidated by a bloke like that, right? Uh, yeah, it was the other guy that kind of looked like Woody Harrelson. I was like it's a bit more, you know. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, James, yeah, he, did, he did have a woodiness about him. Yeah. <laughs> when you get to uh, these big tournaments, James, are there cornhole groupies? Um, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I'm not too sure. Didn't really. Uh, I don't know, mingle with too many people outside of the Australian team, so. <laughs> right. So there wasn't you a queue of people that. wasn't a queue of people waiting for autographs. Oh, not for not for me. There was the a guy in the team who, who went the year before as well and he was like a, a cornhole celebrity and he was the face of the Australian cornhole team. Oh. Like like people that legitimately recognized him from the year before and, and they were like flocking to him and stuff, and I was just like, okay. <laughs> was that Stuart? Was that Stuart King? Nah, his name was um, PJ. So he's he's a he's a guy that I work with. Yeah, Stuart, Stuart was my teammate. Um, but yeah, there was about because the whole like Australian team was sort of from our company. So there's eighteen of us, and we all sort of knew each other. Does PJ get that kind of reception at work too? Yep, definitely. 
PJ's just that kind of guy. Uh, we're speaking to James, a member of the Australian Cornhole team. Uh, James, how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, I just turned 24. So you're 24. Had you, uh, a couple of years ago, given up the dream of ever representing Australia at any sport? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, and here it is. Can you? Uh, do you plan now making a long-term career out of cornhole? Because it's the type of sport you could play until you're fifty. Oh, of course. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that there are many, you know, uh, physical specimens really playing the game. <laughs> um, Except for you, mate. <laughs> yeah. But it's. Um, we found out it's actually it was sort of they put in a policy with the like the qualification through our company where you can't go in consecutive years. So. I'm sort of, you know, on a sabbatical, semi-retired, I guess, from oh. from Cornhole. We can't wait to see you back in a biannual, I think, trip for you. We will look forward to it. <laughs> um, I was looking up before all of the good terminology because I love sports terminology. We have one in common with Aussie rules and Cornhole, a hanger. A hanger, obviously, in Cornhole is a bag on the lip of the hole ready to drop. Now, another one of my favourites is called a backdoor a back door jumper dirty roll-up what where are these words coming from and who gets to decide a floppy bag which is hilarious a skunk which is great um where are these words coming from and do you actually know them all or are you still learning new ones yeah and i don't didn't really know any of those ones to be honest (laughs) um i'm pretty sure it's just people saying words while they're absolutely hammered to be to be honest like I think that's where all sports get their terminology, to be honest, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, James, uh, how would you rate your cornhole experience? Oh, it's 10 out of 10. Like, 10 out. I, I don't know. To be able to, I mean, like to, to sort of joke about it, but to be, able to, to be able to tell people, yeah, you know, like I came third at the World Cup, even though there are only three teams or three countries participating. So I came last. <laughs> hey, but, yeah, it's just, it's it's just pretty t- novel. It's still pretty cool. I mean, you know, if you speak to Campbell Brown, one of the one of the highlights of his life is captaining the Australian Kabaddi team in India. In fact, he was appointed <laughs> captain of that team before he even knew the rules of Kabaddi. So, yeah, right. Hey, but you, you take what you can get when it comes to representing your country. Uh, James, we're good on you. Congratulations on being an Aussie representative at Cornhole. Uh, and thanks for joining us, mate, on They Came to Play. No worries. Thanks for having me. So, Tess Armstrong, what's been keeping you busy in the world of sport while there's been nothing to watch? Well, last week we posited the idea of an Australian politics side because politics is my sport outside sport and without yes. um, any footy on, I only have politics keeping me going. So I we put it out to the listeners who would make your Ozpol team and turns out we have a delightful and clever bunch of political sports heads that listen to this program and they have a lot to say. Now, I'm going to whip through a couple of them and put this to you. There is a big push by a number of people to have Justin Madden as the ruck. And I feel like that is Get out of the pool. Fair enough, and I'm going to let it pass. Now, another one we had was Brad Hill who said, I don't think it's the Brad Hill, uh, by the way, that was tweeting at us. It was our listener, Brad Hill, but thinks that Sam Dastiari would be an excellent tagger, and I think that is very true. He was very pesky, and he was always there with a a quip uh, in the background, so I think that that 
definitely makes sense. Um, yep. Jim says... Yeah, he's like a Sam Mitchell, Tony Liberatore type bloke. Absolutely. Yes. Yep. Uh, Josh Prin raised the excellent idea of Damien Drum, which who I think should be an assistant coach, I think. That makes <laughs> sense because I don't think yep. he's quite the head coach, but I think he's an assistant. Um, Schwister, <laughs> Schwister, Schwister, I've never had to say that out loud before. But anyway, he has put forward captain coach and first ruck rover, Goff Whitlam, and I'm going to back that in. I think Goff would be, should work as captain coach and then Damien Drum can support him on the sidelines. Pippos. Wasn't Goff quite tall though? Very tall. I think he'd make, yeah, but. You don't want to, so why are you putting a tall in the Ruck Rover position? You know how old people, when they said they were really tall, but then you compare them with young footballers, they're like midgets. (laughs) I think like you wouldn't actually be that tall in the modern world. Like Patrick Cripps would be double his size. All right. On what basis is he captain coach? <laughs> Strong leadership, guys. It's just like loud, relentless. It's, what are your thoughts? He didn't even get through a term, did he? <laughs> no. I, th- <laughs> I mean, that's what true. It would be about? like the off-field incidents, like the, the <laughs> dramas in the in his assistant coaches would actually, yeah, actually, that's true. Listen to the newest. And I've looked it up here, T- Tess and Limo. Um, he was 194 centimetres oh. off with them. Oh. He's a rock. How, how tall is Patrick Cripps? <laughs> Uh, let me know. If, he, anyway. if he's shorter than Cripps or the Bont, he can stay Ruck Rover. He's staying as Ruck Rover. That's the deal. Okay. So tell us, Danny. All right. Uh, well, yeah, here we go. We're just uh, working so off. He was 194. Uh, he's. Uh, he, oh, Patty Cripps is 195. See, he's staying oh, as Ruck Rover. Okay. I knew I was right. He can stay as Ruck we need two talls. We need some. We need some variation wow. in this midfield. We talked last week about where Hawke would play, and we couldn't quite place him. Angelo Pipos thinks he's an audacious forward, like Modra, like Tony Modra. I actually think that's a pretty good call. Oh, I'm going to Bob, Bob Hawke. Well, I, did, I don't. See, I don't see Hawke as a flashy Modra type. Mm. I, I see more more of a midfielder, a flashy midfielder, maybe. <sighs> That's true. Okay, fine. Uh, Cheryl Slocum mm. has some excellent options. Senator Penny Wong in defence as a centre-half back, and I think that's totally valid. Christina Keneally in the midfield would chase everything down without fail. Very true. And Jed Carney, back pocket, back pocket formidable, formidable opponent. I think that is probably quite fair. Mark Parsi, one of our listeners, has an excellent eye on politics, by the way, says Daryl Baldock became a member of the Tasmanian House of Assembly on the 22nd of April 1972, was a member of the Labor Labor Party and State Minister, resigned from politics to coach St Kilda. So that is, he can definitely be a part of the coaching staff, if not the coach. Um, And then... Which sinking ship would you rather be part of, Lemo? The St Kilda Footy Club or the Australian Labor Party? Ooh, that is a tough one. (laughs) Can I I pass? Can I move Whoa. to New Zealand? Nelly. Now. <laughs> I, oh, Jacinda. You put Jacinda as your full forward. Oh, totally. She'd play, she'd play oh, every yeah. role really well. She'd be one of those, you know, she'd be classic, around. classic utility. Yeah. And um, George Meglagenis, I put to doctor him as well. He is the, <laughs> the great political mind of our nation. And he has actually put together an amazing uh, a full team. He's got, as he's back, Howard Menzies-Hughes. Halfback, 
Fisher, Deacon, Turnbull, and he's put Turnbull in the halfback position that Basha Hooley has because Turnbull was a character reference in Basha Hooley's tribunal <laughs> in uh, 2017, which is ah, excellent. Yes, so yeah. clearly are close. In the centre, he's got Harold Holt, which someone else took umbrage at and said he'd go missing. Classic. Chipley mm, uh, yeah, and Hayden. Last week. Thank you. <laughs> half forward, Keating, Whitlam, and Hawke. Half forward is pretty pretty strong. Full forward, uh, Kelty, Curtin, Gillard. Ruck, Fraser, mm, that's what I suggested last week, and Mids, Theodore, Rudd, and Abbott. So, and as an yeah. umpire, he's got Kerr, John Kerr. Wouldn't wouldn't put it to him to be the umpire. No, that's good. Um, so I don't that's know. Strong. He would be the Razor Ray. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> Making it all about himself, <laughs> loving, <laughs> looking for trouble. So if you still want to get involved, you're more than welcome to. I'll have to actually draw up an actual team at some point. So feel free to get involved, but I loved it. I, it's kept Tess, me- you know the, the biggest frustration with uh, the AFL team made up entirely of politicians are the post-match press conferences where no question gets answered. <laughs> yes, so, a la would- Sammy J's <laughs> chief whatever coach, government coach. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's very good at drawing the lines. Uh, he is indeed. Oh, well, that sounds good. So, um, yeah, keep uh, keep any suggestions coming through. We should even extend it out to US politics at some point. Ahead um, of the election, for sure. Oh, we, we, we need some, like, a team to play against. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aussies versus the, the Yanks. Oh, yeah, okay. That's a good call. And then we'll actually have a game. We'll call it. Yeah. And you know how Americans are really good at sports even when they have never played them? So we'd yes. actually like we'd actually be in a bit of strife. I think that would beat us if we were, if we take it to the Olympics. <laughs> so where are we putting Christina Keneally then? Because she is gonna be like the Mason Cox, the the American who's come over to Australia and is dominating the our small local league. Cheryl said she's in the middle. She's in the she because she's the chaser. She's the what she's the one that can chase everything down. Very fast. Very aggressive. She's very good. She's got her eye on the ball. I think that's. I think that works. And she, mm. and she did some hard years at uh, the New South Wales uh, Labor Party, which is a bit <laughs> like being the coach of Melbourne. So yeah, she's she's done the hard yards. <laughs> that's right. She played in the seconds before she got the call up to yeah. the main league. So that's good. She's good to go. <laughs> uh, I like it. Good work, Tess. Thank you. Well played. Uh, now, uh, Danny McGinley, have you got an update for us on the Bella? Can we say the Belarusian uh, Premier League? Some people say Belarusian. I think Belarusian tells to, tends to be a bit more uh, a bit more accepted. I suppose it depends what side of politics you are on. If you want to say that you know Belarusian would be just that 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 little beautiful part of Russia, but I'm pretty sure they call themselves their own country now. So I'll say Belarusian. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> big weekend. Big uh, weekend happened? for all of our teams. <laughs> uh, now, Limo, I gave you <laughs> the team yes. of uh, of of. It's it's one of the biggest weekends in Belarusian football history. Now your team Bait Bait Benazorf, uh, the the Hawthorne of the Belarusian uh, football league, they had a brilliant away win against Minsk FC, which Great. has put them up to uh, where are they on the ladder? Hang on, I'm on the wrong. Oh god, I'm looking up too many teams. Sorry, everyone. I was just checking out the uh, the new top team, which is called Torpedo Belaz. Uh, don't ask me anything else about them because I don't know. You're up on seventh on the ladder, right. Lean, so it's a good start. Right. Uh, here, we, here we come. My yep. team, uh, 
Shakti or Sologorsk uh, had a just a, a, a nil-nil uh, draw against uh, Smolovici, Ooh. traditional rivals. Um, but Tess, let's talk about your team. I gave you Isloch FC yep. because they have a, a mascot, which is a wolf that plays the violin. Uh, had it were, uh, played Dinamo Brest, uh, Dinamo Brest, just to repeat that hilarious team name. You were up one nil with seconds to go at halftime, uh, and then they equalised the Brests as they always they always like equilibrium, uh, and then uh, sadly you lost three one. <laughs> that seems very on brand. All my teams start strong and then fade away. Now, I had a look actually at my team and found out, which I feel really connected to them. This is how I'm clutching at straws. But anyway, turns out they're outspoken politically, which I think makes a lot of sense. They have been speaking out one of our players about how they're allowed to play, like how outrageous it is that they're playing, but also that they need to keep food on the table for their families, which just seems brutal. And so they're just going along with it because they seem, seem to think that that's fine. Um, separately, you know how I love a high jumper number? I've always loved a high jumper number. I don't like when players get a low number. Our superstar mm. is named Momo Yansane, which is a great name, and he's number 99. So I was like, oh, wow. yeah. He's from Mali. Oh, and brilliant. He's awesome. So I'm on board with Momo at number 99. I think that's great. Separately, I found out at the moment something they're doing, which I'm obsessed with because they've cottoned on to the fact that tragically they're the only league playing in the world and everybody's watching. They say you can buy virtual tickets and then they'll put your face, if you send them a photo, on a mannequin in the stadium. (laughs) Yes. A few teams are doing this over there. Love it. Should we buy tickets oh, and be yes. in the stadium? Yeah, let's go to a game. Let's go to a game. Yes. So, uh, kind of. Who's, uh, Danny, are any of our teams well, playing each other next week? <laughs> yeah, oh, what's the fixture? Next week, let's have a look at the uh, the fixture. Okay, let, let me just check I feel like this we out. should go uh, soon before they get told they have to cancel. So, like, we should probably go uh, virtually um, pretty soon. All right, next week, uh, Shakti are playing the, the, the Slutsk. I'm pronouncing that, I think, the nice way. Isloch are playing Slavia and, oh, Bait against the top of the table clash Ooh. against Torpedo Bel Az. Oh, I think that's a game we should go to, guys. I think we should All go right. to I'm totally in. Let's, Let's send um, whatever your footy face in. So, so mine is really worried and stressed out. That's my natural state. When I'm watching footy, so I have to take a photo where I look deeply concerned. Um, and- my my natural face is super chilled out, covered in champagne. <laughs> <laughs> and my my footy face is uh, drunk in the bar at Dockland Stadium, <laughs> pretending I'm not there. <laughs> Great, fantastic! I mean, we'll get those I- photos. Let's try. Let's get us to a game in Belarus. Oh. oh, this is a this is a wonderful challenge, and don't forget we're wrestling later this year too, Tess Armstrong. <laughs> I haven't. Oh yes, you're not getting out of that. Hey guys, can I tell you? Have we reached peak sporting list yet? Because <laughs> in the absence of sport, every sports website, news organisation, everything is just coming up with as many lists as possible. Dermot Burton recently released his best ever fat bloke team. Oh, my God. Uh, yep. Yeah, he had, you know, Grenville Dietrich, oh. Stewie Jew was on the bench. Uh, oh, yeah, it was, it was a fairly funny list of <laughs> overweight AFL footballers. Uh, we had the – did you see the list for the best names to commentate for a hanger? Oh, um, what? 
That seems yeah. extremely niche. So Ro- Robertson won it. Robertson! So the best oh. name to call in. Oh. I, thought you meant, I thought you meant the best team of commentators who've ever called a hanger. I was like, that is a very oh, niche. Oh, no, thing. no. But the best individual. I misheard it and I thought you were talking about commentators who commentated good bits of play by Mill Hanna from Carlton uh. in the 80s. <laughs> No. So, Puopolo! This, these, these oh, it's a good rubbish. Good call for a hanger. Heeny! Uh, there was... There's the list of uh, best isolation gyms. I thought that's a... <laughs> where we're stretching it here. One of my... I love this one. This was actually pointed out to me by Goxie on uh, Twitter when I raised this issue. His favourite was... Um, Who's the Mount Rushmore of the AFL? In other words, Ooh. who are the best four players ever? But they just called it the Mount Rushmore just to make <laughs> it sound different somehow. Um, another one, uh, another list was, um, this is from Giggsy, the best players ever with a unique Christian and unique surname. Oh, that seems like one for Swamp. Hang on. So so they've got a unique Christian name, never before in AFL-VFL history, and a unique surname, never before in AFL-VFL history. Oh, I've got to check that Who's, list out. Yeah, that so, awesome. Do you remember any names from that uh, one? Yeah, Heretia Lumumba is on the list. Oh, yeah. Is it? Ah, oh, very good Is one. he playing in 10 positions? Because how many <laughs> of them are there? Oh, there's heaps. Uh, Basha, awesome. Basha Hawley. Yeah. Ratio Fantasia. Yep, great. My favorite, ah. my favorite name on the list played six games for St Kilda in 1946 from Marupna in country Victoria, Trojan Davaniza. <laughs> oh. uh, so if you go to, you know, there's a player out there whose name is like you know uh, Zephaniah Jones, who's really annoyed, just missed out. <laughs> yeah. What uh, about Irving? Jones. No, well, Irving I asked the, Irv, There's been an Irving before. Yeah. Um. I asked about Spiro Corkamilos, but there's a Spiro. Um, oh, there's been another Spiro. Of course. Along the journey. Sense. Anyway, uh, that's a good list. But where I thought it really jumped the shark is when I saw the list of the best five players in 2025. And I thought, wow, we're running out of ideas here, guys. <laughs> if we're forecasting <laughs> the best players in the competition in five years' time. The next 10 Brownlow medalists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go yeah. now. Um, wow. I mean, they have to have something to do. I'm glad people have work. I'm not going to yeah. lie. They're in work. They've got to do something. And to be honest, I'm reading them. So who am I to judge? I'm reading all of them like a Kino. Exactly. Uh, now, Tess, earlier today before we recorded, you asked Danny and I to send you a year randomly. What was that all about? Look, I did. Uh, people know one of my favourite footy podcasts is Kick to Kick pod which uh, goes back it starts at the very beginning of Aussie rules and they do a season in review every podcast um so they have still got a very long way to go so they're un- uncomplicated by this kind of pausing of football but I thought I would get out the archives I've been watching all those fox footy classic games and I'd get you to pick a year and I'll tell you some fun stuff about that year now before you really cottoned on to what was happening, Danny picked 1944, which was a fun year to pick. He picked 1944, the war was over. As a fun fact, during the war, Geelong was considered too far away. so they Did you travel. say the war was over in 1944? Well, no, the war, travel restrictions were easing. <laughs> okay. Bunny years. Anyway, but during the peak of that, 
when they couldn't travel, like it's happening right now, uh, Geelong was considered too far away, so they lost two years in the competition. It's like, right. not that far away. Oh. Anyway, there's probably, surely there's a bus. Lemo's suddenly on board with this. Yeah, yeah, I'm digging it. <laughs> Actually, maybe we should lock down Geelong right now, if you know what I mean. Anyway, so Danny picked 1944, so I thought I'd go back and pick a game, Danny, that you should go back and watch as your classic match. You should go back and watch... The round eighteen classic, where you were Footscray won after the siren over ah, Carlton okay. in round eighteen, fun. which was the final round of the year, in front of thirty four thousand people at Princess Park. It's the best. This is from my classic um, one hundred years of Australian football book. Yes. But to, this is what it says: Footscray today fought a desperate last quarter to snatch a one point victory over Carlton. The win from a kick taken after the fire and puts uh, after the bell yes. puts them into the final four. The scores were level. Footscray centreman Harry Hickey marked 55 yards out from goal just moments before the bell rang. Scores were tied at 88 points each. Double the H. High drama reigned. A Double solid, H. A solitary kick would decide which teams go on to fight it out for the finals. For the Dogs, his kick was all important because Carlton had the superior percentage. So if you drew, you would have lost. He prepared for the kick oh. of his life. His teammate Miller ran over to steady him. Good teammate. Hickey swung into the kick, going all out for distance. The ball flew high and true, and so did Carlton defender Bob Chitty, who marked above the pack only to have the goal umpire he had caught the ball, ball over the goal line, awarding Footscray a point and passage into the finals. A delirious crowd spilled onto the oval. You won, you went through to the finals, and then you got smashed by Essendon in the first semi. Bit of fun yeah. for you there. So <laughs> that was nineteen. That is forty-four. Now I think know. that is the most Footscray score story I've ever heard. <laughs> it's like oh, Carlton, kind of stiffed, but whatever. I mean, who needs that? Now Limo picked nineteen eighty-three because he's a he's a he's like that. That's what he does. Anyway, so I tried to find some other things before we get to the eventual yep. game. KB made the was the first player to to play four hundred games that year, so he was the first. And now there's only been three since him, um, so there's only four overall. Maybe Sean Burgoyne will get there. What do you guys think? Maybe. Yeah, I'd say he. Well, actually, no, I forgot the whole Corona thing. God, this is <laughs> this has been fun. I forgot about Corona for a few minutes. Yeah, look, oh, oh, sorry. Thanks, Tess. <laughs> uh, and we have just. We have just lost Limo, by the way. He has just it's dropped out of this recording. It's because I started talking about KB and he cracked it and left the conversation. Anyway, I'll carry on, Limo, <laughs> who I think is returning to the fray. So the year started out with a little bit of fun on April 1, which is that Gary Ablett, who had come to Melbourne in an attempt to play for Hawthorne, was difficult. was having difficulty adapting to city life. So he... Failed to attend pre-season training, was fined $500. He was indefinitely suspended and he went and played in the Ovens and Murray League. So that was Gary Ablett's relationship with Hawthorne. It was fleeting. He didn't make it through pre-season training and um, then he had to go off and play in the country leagues. Imagine seeing... I'm quite happy Lemo's... It's such a shame Lemo is not here for this. You chose good (laughs) stuff to talk about 1983, Tess. While he's gone, Hawthorne won the grand final in front of 110... No, no, no. We we can skip through this, Tess. We can skip through this. No one cares. Can I also talk to you, Danny, about one thing that happened that year? And you know how some... Yeah, Lemo is just... Text, by the way, Tess, Lemo is, uh, for our listeners, Lemo is definitely out of this now. Uh, he's gone. He's just... You mentioned Gary Ablett and he goes into convulsions and uh, he has to call his therapist. That is 
So funny. He's had to leave and he can't hear us. He can't hear us talking about how Hawthorne really failed Gary Ablett and missed out on the best forward, probably the best player of the... Let's do it now. Who's your least favourite Hawthorne player of all time? James Jeff? Sicily. Who's yours? <laughs> Sam Mitchell. <laughs> oh, let's, let's get Lebo to leave the pod early every week and we'll pick a new one every week. I think week. this is good. I think this is great too. This is, our new, this is our new spin-off pod. It's called <laughs> They Came to Hate Hawthorne. <laughs> wow. When he let go of those reins for a second. One thing before we wrap up. Sport can be really depressing sometimes and you feel like, oh, you know, if my team gets smashed earlier in the year, it's all over, right? That can be how it feels. Yes, I can relate going back to round one, yeah. 1983, North Melbourne lost to Fitzroy in round 13 by 150 points. So this is like well into the season. They got absolutely flogged. They went on to finish the year top of the ladder and went all the way through to the prelim where Fitzroy dropped off before them. So if you are ever feeling early in the year like you're down and out, like, for example, if you're Melbourne this year and you have had hopes and dreams and then you come back, you embarrass yourselves for one match and then the the whole season's cancelled, who knows? You might end up on top of the ladder at the end of the year. You just don't know. It's true. Although this year has taught us more than anything. You know how you jokingly say if you put in a bad performance early in the year, you go, oh, cancel footy, cancel footy for this year. Let's just come back next year. Never do that. Please never, ever do this again. Because whoever said that, that person holds more power than they could have ever imagined. (laughs) They hold more more power than a pangolin in Wuhan markets. And they also wish that I get a million dollars if they're at it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the one last thing we were going to talk about was uh, uh, I just want to put this out to our listeners. If anyone has a link to someone who's produced the new video game, uh, AFL Evolution uh, 2, apparently they're using my banners. In the in the in the sh- in the show, like so, the bulldogs run through, and there's a few of my old uh, uh, banners that I wrote when, during during my oh, career as Bannerman, and I'm wondering What's if that, that does about? that get me a free copy if I if I'm part of this game? Surely, I got trust me, Surely. I got a lot to do, but no work, so I can't afford the game. <laughs> That's um, very cheeky, and I think you should follow up and definitely get yourself three free games so that um, the three of us can play against one another. What are your thoughts? Hi. Hello? Hi. Are, we, are we on? Oh, God. What an end to this show. Uh, oh, what an end. I, I said I think you should get three, three copies, Danny, so the three of us can play against one another. Oh yeah, now that's now that should be a podcast within itself. Lemo trying to work out a video game. <laughs> <laughs> I for one can't wait. Well, we've been thwarted by technology, but I think it's been a fabulous ride, regardless. I think so. We did cornhole. We did uh, Belarusian football. I mean, that's that's all you need in life. And bocce for rednecks is the best description of sport that I've heard in a long time. I think we'll call we will call the episode that. <laughs> Bocce for rednecks. I love it. Danny, it's been a pleasure. Stay busy. It's been a pleasure, Tess. You do the uh you do the outro because you're you're a more, you're the you know, you're the vice captain. I'm just the I'm just a, a sta- I'm not part of the leadership group. Well, we're called they came to play. If you find us, tell a friend because we get to keep doing this and interacting with you about all your delightful things, only if you continue to grow the pod world. So tell us what you uh, think Patreon. of us. We have a Patreon. Oh. Be the first person to give us money on Patreon. I don't think anyone's done it you yet. You plugged that. 
I can't. But I love go. your work, oh. Danny. Love your work, listeners. Thank you for engaging in my Ozpol footy team. That's kept me going for a whole week. And um, we'll do it all again next week. Go FC Islam. Bye. <laughs> the arm. It's uh, refreshing yet uh, displeasing to the eye. Somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. In the dying seconds. Unbelievable. They wouldn't say die. That just shows that they didn't come to play. They really come to play here at the MCG tonight.